Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. Well, good morning, Resonate. It is an honor to be here with you today. It's been a while since I've taught y'all. I've been or preached over here. I've been next door teaching in the Encounter and, and Tradition service, and, and those are some fun services to teach to, but I love being in this building. I taught in here for uh, 10 years as the student pastor, and every time I get to be in this room, it just reminds me of uh, just that amazing journey that God brought me through. Um, but here's the thing. I've taught this message a couple weeks ago in Encounter and Traditions, and so I, I, I can tell you that I don't think I'm going to be as emotional as I was when I first taught this message, but if I start crying, it's okay. We're going to get through it. So uh, many of you have kind of followed my family's journey over the past few years, but if you don't know, and if you're watching online and you don't know, uh, back in October of 2018, my daughter Addison was diagnosed with a rare bone marrow disorder called aplastic anemia. Uh, and I had no idea what that meant whenever they first told us, but basically uh, her bone marrow, for whatever reason, just stopped working. Uh, and your bone marrow is what produces your white blood cells to be able to fight off bacteria and your red blood cells and, and platelets and all these things that basically we never knew that your bone marrow is what keeps you alive. And Addison's just stopped working. And she would end up needing three bone marrow transplants to save her life. Our first two transplants were a failure and we had to have a third transplant. Uh, and so, uh, we're in the hospital during this time, and there are a lot of sleepless, difficult nights. But I look back on one night in particular that was extremely hard. It was probably about 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. I don't really know. The days kind of just blended together. And I really hadn't slept in several days. Uh, it just there's Nurses are coming in nonstop. Addison is always needing something, and she's in pain, and she's hurting. And you're just sitting there as a father, just looking over her, finally sleeping for the first time. And I remember just being exhausted. I remember thinking to myself, how much longer are we going to be in this season? How much more of this are we going to have to take? And so uh, we're kind of waiting at, to see if her second bone marrow transplant was a success. We had already been in the hospital for over a year now. And we're just sitting there like, what, what is going on? And the doctors come in every day and they tell you what doctors always tell you. We don't know yet, you're going to have to wait. We don't know yet, we're going to have to wait. And that was a revolving door of the doctors coming in every day. And Erica and I, we knew something was Madison. And I just say, for the first time in like four months, I say, God, I am mad at you. What are you doing here? What is going on? What is it going to take to heal my daughter? And I begin to tell him all of my anger, all of my emotions, all of my worry, all of my fear. And in my spirit, a dam began to break. And in my spirit, I could no longer hold the control of this situation in my own hands. All of my strength was gone. And, be, and, and God started to take me on this journey to reveal to me that I had a sin in my life. And, and it wasn't a sin of fear or anger or hopelessness. It was a sin of control. 
that I, I had built this little idol in my heart that Jeff is in control of the situation and everything's going to work out just fine. But as I stood there and watched my daughter, I told God, if it's in your will to heal Addison, I am fine with that. More than fine with that. I will be overjoyed. But if it's in your will to take Addison's life and she never recovers from that, I'm okay with that too. And I handed the control of my daughter's life over back to God. Now here's the thing. I, I put on the brave face. I said all of the right things. I'm sure many of us have had conversations during this season. And I said what we always say. Oh, we're fine. God has a plan. He knows what he's doing, and we're just waiting to see what God does. But deep down inside, I knew the truth. The truth was is that when Addison was diagnosed, I told God I didn't need him anymore. And that I'm going to take control of this situation. I told him, I've got it. You allowed this to happen to my daughter, so I don't want to have anything to do with you. And yes, that brings shame, that brings guilt. But the truth is, is that God never gave up on me. And God saw fit to heal my daughter. It was in his will to do that. And I am very grateful. But also God restored me. He restored my relationship. And so I want to be really honest with you. Uh, this sermon is not for the people that have it all together. This sermon is for the people that feel like me that night, and you're trying to hold it all together. You're trying to put on a brave face and act like everything is okay. That is what this sermon is for. So if that's you today, awesome. I'm so glad you're here. And I, and I hope and I pray that God will use this message in your life in some way. And if you're watching online, I hope that God will use this message in your life. Because let me tell you this. If you continue to be the one in control of your life, you will never experience God's peace. You will always end up angry, ashamed, afraid, and worried. So take it from me, someone that's been through this journey, through the hardest thing of my entire life, there is a better way to live. I'm going to do for you all the things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be, fine, I will be found sorry, by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out from the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. Now, I love this section of Scripture, but the truth is, is that this wasn't written to us. This section of Scripture was actually written to the Israelite believers who were in captivity and in exile and in slavery. But there is some, some truth that we can grab from this. I remember uh, literally in high school, I had so many friends that put Jeremiah 29 11 on their letterman jacket. 
And I've seen, you know, Facebook posts with it. I've seen coffee mugs with it. I've seen picture frames with it. And the thing is, is that Jeremiah 2011 is an amazing promise. But it happens after Jeremiah 29.10. And Jeremiah 29.10 says, you will be in captivity for 70 years. You will be in slavery away from the promises I have from you, away from your home, away from your land. And then I will do everything that I told you I would do. See, the truth is, is that we like to hear about God's plans for our lives, don't we? But we don't like to hear about the pain and struggle that it will take to get us there. We don't want to hear about the pain, the struggle that it's going to take to walk us through a season that doesn't make any sense where we seem like everything is going wrong to get to the blessing. It's so often when pain comes, when, when struggle comes, we don't want to have anything to do with it. And so we get in the season of battle or battling our will versus God's will. So God, I, I see uh, throughout scripture that you say that you have a plan for me, but it always happens on the other side of pain, and I don't want to deal with pain. I want things to be easy. I don't want things to be difficult. I don't want to have to go through an illness. I don't want to have to go through a death. I don't want to go through a lost job. I don't want to have to go through all these things. So when those moments hit, we grab control from God and say, you know what, God, I've got this. I've got this. I don't need you. And here's the thing. We never say that outright. We put on the show that we have it all together. We put on the front that everything is fine. But can I let you in on a secret? When we grab control of our lives from God, we are missing out on his peace and his blessings. And in fact, we enter into a much harder season of pain than we would have went through if we would have let God have control in the first place. There's another little secret that I want to tell you this today. God's will is always done. We can enjoy the ride, or we can go kicking and screaming. We can enjoy the ride, or we can go kicking and screaming. That doesn't mean that the journey is easy. It means that we have the right relationship with who is in control. So yes, I'm waking up, and today is really hard, and I don't know why I'm here, but you are in control. I'm going to enjoy the journey. I'm going to enjoy the ride because no matter how hard I fought in the hospital, no matter how much I was upset and angry with God, nothing changed. I look back at our journey in the hospital and God was in control and I can see that he was in control the whole time. But it's my actions and my attitude that was messed up. And I found myself being angry and frustrated with the doctors and with the nurses. And I shamefully, regretfully look back on missed opportunities. That when those doctors came in and told us really hard news, or when the doctors came in and said they messed something up, which happens a lot in the hospital, unfortunately, instead of being gracious and loving towards them, I was angry. How could you do this? How could you do that? 
And so for me, I really, for some reason, I look back and it doesn't make any sense now. I thought if I had outbursts of anger, somehow that would heal Addison. And if I yelled enough at the doctors for messing up or enough at the nurses that somehow magically God would say, oh, you know what, Jeff? That's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for you to be angry so that I could move. It doesn't work that way. And so for me, literally growing up, if any of you knew me when I was growing up, most of you in this room do, I would literally have to be drugged out of Walmart, kicking and screaming as a child. Whenever I taught this last week, my grandma called me and said, you know what, you're right, because I remember when you were about five years old, they had to literally take you out of Walmart by your ear because you didn't get the toy that you wanted. And the truth is, is that some of us still act that way. We just... Don't make it known. Internally, we're kicking and screaming, we're frustrated, we're angry, and we're just like that little kid in the store that didn't get what they wanted. But we've learned to hide it as adults. So for me, God had to drag me kicking and screaming through our whole journey with Addison. Kicking and screaming and frustrated and anger, but for all of my frustration, all of my anger, the destination didn't change. The destination didn't change. God saw fit that he would heal Addison. He saw fit that he would restore me. But I look back on my actions with guilt. What would it have been like if I would have just trusted God the whole time? Not just said that I trusted God. Not just put on the front that I was trusting God, but really trusted God. And that came out in my attitude and came out in my conversations and came out in what happened. And what would have been different if I would have just trusted him and him be in complete control? See, for me, God didn't give up on me. And this is the truth I want you to look at. It's on the screen behind me. When life is out of control, God is in control. Whatever you're going through right now, with whatever you issues you have in your family, with whatever issues at your work that seem so insurmountable, and you're trying so hard to hold it all together, and things are just out of control and don't make any sense, God is in control in the middle of that. And the truth is, you don't have to be. You don't have to be the one in control. We were not created for us to be the one in control. That's not the way it works. We were created to fall under God's control. And here, here's something that's uh, going to surprise you. Um, God knew something that I didn't. I know that that's a shocker. God knew something that I didn't because we were getting ready for a third transplant. We had no idea what that meant. But what we knew is that there wasn't a donor. There wasn't someone that was ready and able to give a transplant to Addison. And we were going to have to pick between two never-before-done transplants to maybe save her life. And God knew that Jeff's control wasn't going to cut it anymore. He knew that there was no more strength that I had left, and so he literally had to wrestle the control of my life back from me. And he revealed to me that I had that issue of control and that idol that I had built up in my life, that as long as Jeff's in control, everything's going to work out. 
But my control was no longer good. It was no longer good enough. It was no longer going to make a difference. And so he wrestled the control of my life from him. And there's a verse that I want to share with you today. And I'm not sure who shared this verse with me. So if you're in this room today, this verse literally changed my life when I was in the hospital with Addison. I remember reading this verse over Addison probably a hundred times and looking at its words and looking at its truths and gaining strength from its words. It's Isaiah chapter 41. We're going to read verse 10. And if you're in this room today and you have something going on in your life that you can't control, I hope that this would become a rally cry for you. He says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. This verse is powerful. And it showed me when I was in the hospital during the most challenging time of my entire life that God was strong enough, God was victorious, and that I could trust him. I could trust in his power and that he was the one in control. So if that's you today and you feel out of control and there's something that you're struggling with right now on a, any varying level of scale of intensity, it might seem really small. It might seem insurmountable. God is in control. He is strong enough. He is the only one that was ever meant to carry those burdens. His life is better when he's in control. When we can wake up in the morning and say, you know what, God, I don't know what is happening today. I don't know what battles I'm going to face. I don't know what trials or troubles are going to come my way, but you are in control. You know what's coming. I don't. And so we fall underneath that leadership. So the question is, what, what do we do with this message? How do we begin to apply this message to our lives? And there is a ton of different answers to that question. But I want to leave you with three things that I hope will help you along the way. First, we must understand that we don't control the destination. We don't know what's happening next. We don't control the destination, but we can control how we act on the journey. See, God is in control. He is going to choose to do whatever he wants to do. But here's something that it took me a very long time to understand. God wanted to use my life and my actions for his glory while we were in the hospital. Not after the fact that after, the, after he healed my daughter, but right in the middle of the pain, he wanted to use me. See, we don't control the destination, but we can control how we act to the struggle, how we act to the pain along the way. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and, and I love these words that Paul uh, says over the, the church in Thessalonica. And he's leaving uh, from his ministry, and, and he was only there a short season of time, and he's kind of leaving them with a final charge, and this is what he says. Chapter 5, verse 16. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. 
so often, I remember as a student pastor, I would hear students would ask me this question all the time. What is God's will for my life? What is God's plan for my life? And I think that we all, from time to time, can ask that question. We look at what's going on, like, this doesn't make sense, and this is difficult, this hard. What is God doing here? What is your will for my life? And Paul's words are so true to the, to the Thessalonians, but they're so true to us. What is God's will for your life? That we, that you and I would be joyful in all circumstances and never stop praying. That's it. It's that simple. That no matter what comes your way, you're thankful, you're joyful, and you're praying to the Lord. It's what being a Christ follower means. It doesn't mean, well, what I have going on in my life is really hard, God, so that doesn't apply to this. No, you're wrong. In fact, the harder your situation is, the more you need to trust in God's control. The harder the thing is, the bigger the thing, the more insurmountable, the more that we have to let go and come to God with open hands. Next. Second, we must line up our will with God's will. We must line up our will with God's will. And this is something that happens all the time. We have to do this constantly. That we say, God, I trust you. You are strong enough. You are big enough. You are the one that's in control. And I think the best way that this happens is through our prayer life. See, so often in our prayer life, we come to God and say, God, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. Amen. See you later. It's like, what? No, no, no. You, you, we've got it wrong, Christ follower. In Matthew 6, verse 9, this is the NIV, the Lord's Prayer says this. This then is how we should pray. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I love the Lord's Prayer. I, I literally remember growing up in this church having to memorize this verse in Sunday school. And for whatever reason, we would say it before every football game. I, I never figured that out. I don't know why that was a thing, but we just did. Even it, it, no one, hey, Jeff, you're a Christian, so you, you do the Lord's Prayer. Okay, don't know why. But the thing is, is I never read the words of the Lord's Prayer. Does it say pray for yourself only and say amen? No, it says that God, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. We fall in line under God. Your will be done. Not Jeff's will be done and Jeff's kingdom come, but God's. Jesus' disciples say, how do we do this? How do we pray? And Jesus literally says, it all starts with God. His will be done. And then... Forgive me and forgive as I forgive my debtors. And then give me my daily bread that I need to live. God is first. His will be done. And third, we must realize that God is our satisfaction. I truly believe that when we grab control of our lives from God, without realizing it, we're saying, God, I am not satisfied in you. You are not enough for me. And so for me to be satisfied with the longing of my heart, I'm going to have to be the one that's in control. 
You're, you're withholding this thing from me that I think that I really need. So God, you, you can stay over there. I, I'm in control now. Well, love in, in for, uh, sorry, Psalm 16, verse 11 in the NIV. I love this verse. It says, you make known to me the path of life. And you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This verse is so life-giving. It says that when we're in God's presence, we know what? The path of life. And we find eternal satisfaction in him. We find eternal pleasures in his presence. The only way we get there is by God being the one in control. I, I really hope that no one in this room and no one watching online ever has to go through what we went through with Addison. To say that it was difficult and hard would be a massive understatement. But I've said this many times and I truly do believe it. It's not just something I'm saying. I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. Yes, we experienced unmet, just unending fear and worry and pain. But you know what? We also experienced a miracle. We also experienced the hand of God moving in a way that doesn't make sense. In a way that only he could have done. In fact, when I was getting this sermon together, I asked Erica to reach out to the Be The Match team, and that's the, the team that shared Addison's story and kind of helped us try to find a match for Addison. And, uh, and they, they have like, uh, I think it's 20 million people on this registry right now. And so through our, through our journey, since Addison has been released from the hospital, uh, we have found out that there are four families that have found a match because of Addison's story. And, and I don't know about y'all, but for me, that makes it all worth it. That there are four families that have the opportunity to receive a life-saving transplant. That's amazing to me. But you know what gets me even more excited as a dad? Is that our story is not done yet. That there will come a day when my little daughter up there, Addison, that's coloring right now, will be able to realize that she is a miracle. And she can use her story as a platform to tell the world how amazing God is. That gets me fired up as a dad. That one day we will be able to share our story together and I will step aside and let her tell how good God is. Yeah, you can clap because that's amazing. That is absolutely incredible. Because she is a miracle. But you know what's even more amazing for me? Is that God used her to change my life. To show me that, Jeff, your control isn't good enough. It never was. It never will be. Let me lead your life. And he's still doing that, that in me. There are so many days, literally, we were driving last night, and there was a situation that was out of our control, and guess what? I'm getting mad. I'm getting frustrated. Like, you know, God, it's like I haven't learned my lesson. You're still teaching me. There's still a lot they have to do in me, and it's going to be like that until the day I die. So I have two next step challenges for you this morning. And the first, it's probably the hardest. 
Stop running from the truth and get honest about who is in control of your life. See, so often we put on the front that everything is okay. And we literally say, you know, all of my friends, all my family, you can see all of this stuff, but the truth I'm going to hold back here behind my back and not let anyone know. It's time to get honest about that thing. It's time to be honest and let that thing go. Because here's the thing. It is okay if you in this room right now or you watching online, it is okay if you were in control of your life right now. It's okay to admit that. It's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to stay there because you were never meant to be in control. And life will just be worse if you're in control. And you can miss out on so many things. Take it from me. I missed out on so many opportunities to share with our nurses and doctors how good God is. And I, where, how are you so strong right now? And how are you taking this so well? It's because of God. But all they saw is angry Jeff that they never wanted to come in the room and see. I don't want to go in there because I have to give him bad news and he's be mad at me. I missed out. You don't have to miss out. You can change it today. Get honest. It's okay to admit it. Just don't stay there. Second, start lining up your will with God's will. Coming to him in prayer and saying, God, your will be done. And it's something you have to do every single day, multiple times a day. And when you get mad and frustrated, you do it again. Constantly for the rest of your life until you die. God, refocus my mind. Your will be done, not my will be done. Your will be done in this situation that seems so hard that I want so badly to grab the control of. And I know that I can do a good job at this. I know that I can handle this. I know that I'm strong enough. God's will be done, not my will be done. So if, you, if you're here today and you're not yet a Christ follower, or if you're watching online and you're not yet a Christ follower, I am so glad that you're here today. And a lot of this, you've been, I don't know what this has to do with me. The truth is that God has a plan for your life too. And God is at work in your life, whether you know it or not, because you would not be here and you would not be watching online unless God had a plan for you. And so my prayer for you is that you would give God a chance. So I don't know about this whole Christianity thing, and there's been a lot of people that, I, that have said they're Christians, and they're not really acting like it, and I don't really know what that's all about. Give God a chance. Give God a chance, because he could blow you away. Because the truth is, whether you're a Christ follower now or not, life is better when God's in control. It's time to give him that control. It's time to surrender and see what he could do. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you in such desperate need. Our entire lives, our culture has told us to be the ones in control, to hold it all together, to never let people see the truth about yourself. Lord, I want to lay down that mentality right now. God, we need you. We want to come before you with open hands and we want to be used by you in a way that doesn't make sense. God, I pray for those in the room right now that are trying even still to hold it all together and not let someone know that they're hurting. I pray specifically for that person that they would let go. 
They were never meant to be in control. Your ways are so much better and so much higher, and you have so much more for us. We love you, Lord. We pray for your safety on the way home. And pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Have a good, safe travels home.